Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. So now we are back to our normal time with the podcast coming out first thing in the morning. Like I said on Monday, the reason why we had it delayed for the past few podcasts is because there was so much breaking election news. I wanted to make sure to give you the most relevant and up-to-date analysis as possible. And obviously, this will still be relevant and up-to-date. But what we're talking about today isn't uh, necessarily happening second by second. But what I've observed over uh, the past few days since the election, we are going to be talking about this phrase that has just been ringing in my mind. I talked about it a little bit on Monday, and it's the title of the book written by a guest that I had a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the Monday before the election. And so last week, Raj Rare, and his book is Live Not By Lies. And the book talks about how we in America are in a pre-totalitarian state, that the social pressure and the social consequences that people are experiencing for having very mainstream political and social views um, is exactly what happened in, for example, the Bolshevik Revolution and every communist revolution. It started um, with real-life tangible consequences for people holding beliefs or having what uh, Orwell calls in 1984 wrong think, how that ends up leading to totalitarianism, and we need to make sure that we are resisting that. And the main way that we resist that is to refuse to live by lies. So to refuse to uh, imbibe and believe in deceit. And what that requires us to do is to be very vigilant in searching for the truth. Now, a lot of the deceit and a lot of the propaganda that we hear um, typically comes from the left. And the reason why I say that, I understand that it's going to um, uh, offend some people. But the reason why I say that is because leftism controls all of our major cultural megaphones. So big tech, social media, the mainstream media all skews to the left at least center left. And a lot of the media is on the far end of the political spectrum on the left. Our corporations in America are all repeating the leftist social justice talking points. All Obviously, our celebrities, the entirety of the entertainment industry skews to the left. All of the mainstream is leftist. And so in order to have uh, an idea that is outside of the mainstream, you are typically uh, you have to go uh, you have to go outside of those cultural megaphones and you have to seek conservative points. Of view. That does not mean there is not propaganda and serious misinformation on the right. There is. We've actually seen a lot of it over the past week in an effort to find evidence of fraud, which I believe there are some cases of, of real fraud that probably will hold up in court. We'll see about that. Whether or not it's going to be decisive in this election, we don't know. But there's also been a lot of false information that's been perpetuated by the right in order to build up the narrative and to build up the frustration and passion of people who believe that the election was stolen. Every sketchy looking video has been shared. And upon 
further scrutiny, we figured out that, okay, that's not actually an example of fraud. I think that's wrong. So propaganda and misinformation, whether it's coming from the right or whether it's coming from the left, is wrong. And we as Christians, as critically thinking people, we have an obligation to resist that and to seek what is true. And none of us are going to be perfect in that pursuit. I am praying every day for God to please show me where I'm wrong. Give me humility and let me lay down my pride when I am holding on to something that just isn't true or is inconsistent with with your word, that is inconsistent with a biblical worldview. Show me where partisanship and bias is blinding me to reality because I want to make sure that I am living not by lies. That is my obligation, whether it means that I'm on the Republican side of things um, or not. I want to make sure that I'm not just repeating the talking points that the GOP or the conservative mainstream tells me that I have to say, and certainly I don't want to repeat talking points that come from the left either, but that I am telling the truth. That is always my goal. That's always my desire. You guys let me know when that uh, doesn't happen, where I accidentally say something that is not true. And I always want to correct that because in order to remain sane in this world, that is so uh, that is so characterized often by propaganda and hyperbole and misinformation. In order to stay grounded and rooted, in order to uh, to really know what's going on and to see reality, we have to be vigilant and seeking the truth and double checking everything we read and double checking especially everything that we uh, that we share. And so we've already talked about on Monday some of the misinformation that we are hearing from the right when it comes to uh, the election and when it comes to fraud. And we talked to Jenna Ellis, who is a Trump lawyer, to try to kind of wade through some of that information to see what is actually going before the court and what the actual uh, allegations are and what kind of substantive evidence they have. And so today we're going to talk about some of the lies that we are seeing uh, coming from the left in particular. And how if we are not careful, we will find ourselves believing deceit. Uh, those of you who are in my women's book club with Ali Stuckey on Facebook um, and have been there for a few months, we read 1984 together. That's something that I read in high school, and it's stuck with me since then. But uh, reading it again, I actually listened to it this time, which I think was even more chilling uh, than than reading it. And at the end, sorry to give it away if you haven't read 1984, you might want to skip ahead. But at the end, Winston is being tortured, and he is trying to be re educated and indoctrinated by force with the tenets of the party, with the tenets of Big Brother. And the goal in the end is to make him love Big Brother, this kind of like intangible force that is supposed to take care of them and tell them information and all of that, who is really in charge of everyone, spies on them and all of that stuff. And he is trying to resist, uh, but he is unable to because they convince him that no reality really exists except what the party, the people in charge tell him is real. So if they say that something didn't happen, that actually did happen yesterday, then that's what reality is. If they say that uh, we're actually in this month, in this year, even when you know we're not in this month, in this year, 
Well, you are wrong because the party is always right. So if the party says that reality says that two plus two equals five, you cannot insist that two plus two equals four because the only reality that exists in 1984 is what the party tells you, uh, what the party tells you exists. And so in the end, unfortunately, Winston um, is successfully indoctrinated at the very end of the book. He is saying that he loves Big Brother. And so he has been converted into being a faithful party member rather than a rebel. And the way that he was able to rebel throughout the book, at least internally, is by um, metaphorically and literally insisting that two plus two equals four, reminding himself of what is true, trying to remember um, what actually happened in history uh, rather than just going along with the party talking points of rewriting history, which is what the party in 1984 did. That was how he remained sane. And of course, his sanity in the end broke down. And so in order for us to remain sane, again, we have to insist upon the truth. So I'm going to give you some examples of uh, the truth being manipulated and the psychological warfare that I think that we are enduring right now. Of course, first from a biblical perspective, we know how important truth is. Uh, Obviously, uh, when we're talking about the gospel being the ultimate truth, being the eternal truth, Jesus himself is the way, the truth, the life. Uh, No one can come to the Father except through him. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will Will set you free in Romans 1 when we're talking about people uh, who have rebelled against God. Romans 125 says that they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And so we know how important the pursuit of truth is. Ephesians tells us to speak the truth in love, to build up the body of Christ. Of course, in, in these ways, they're talking about um, eternal truth. They're talking about biblical truth. They're talking about gospel truth. They're talking about the embodiment of truth. Uh, which is Jesus Christ himself. But all truth, whether you're talking about scientific truth, any kind of natural truth, moral truth, is going to be consistent with God himself from the biblical worldview. It's never going to contradict uh, God and what his word says because God created all things. And so science, any kind of natural natural revelation or uh, scientific discovery can possibly... Um, can possibly contradict what God says and what God does because he has authority over all of it. He is the source of all of it. He is the source of truth. So everything that is real, everything that is good, everything that is true is going to be consistent with God himself. And so when we're uh, reading scripture and we see the importance of grounding ourselves in truth, it's not just biblical and spiritual truth, gospel truth, although that's the, the most important. We're talking about all kinds of truth. I mean, if you read Proverbs, we see the dangers of believing deceit. We know that God uh, hates lying. We also read in Ephesians the express, uh, the expressed command no longer to lie to your neighbor, but to tell the truth. And so we know that God is not just a God of truth. He's not just a source of truth, but that he commands his followers pursue and seek truth in all things and speak the truth in all things. Again, because we're fallible, we're going to get that wrong. I certainly have gotten it wrong, um, but that is our desire and that is our obligation. 
And so when we see some of the crazy stories that we have seen, in particular, in this case, coming from uh, the left, we have an obligation to uncover it. But we are being told things. uh, We are being told to just believe everything that we hear, to believe everything that we see in the media without any questions. So uh, coincidentally, a couple days ago, uh, Pfizer announced the coronavirus vaccine, said that it is 90% effective. Now, this obviously to anyone with any kind of consideration whatsoever. Uh, This obviously was purposeful timing. They decided to announce this after the election. Of course, to cynical people, we would say it's because they didn't want to give President Trump any credit. They did not want to affect people in the way of voting for him. And so... um, they decided to announce it after, of course, the market uh, boomed. It, it, it shot up uh, right after after this announcement was made. And so the tweets that you were seeing from left-leaning journalists were saying, oh, people said that the market would crash after Biden was elected while it just went up however many points today. Yeah, it's not because of Biden. It's because of Pfizer. But already they are trying to kind of rewrite that history. So you think that everything is on the up and up because Joe Biden um, has been elected president. He's not even president yet. But look, a coronavirus vaccine um, is already out. Now, New York Times reported that this was not part of the Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed, which incentivized the development of a vaccine. Virginia Hughes of the New York Times said this, Pfizer's Dr. Jansen sought to distance the company from Operation Warp Speed and presidential politics, noting that the company did not take any federal money to help pay for research and development. We were never part of the warp speed. Amanda Carpenter, uh, she is a journalist at The Bulwark. The Bulwark, if you don't know who they are, they are an anti-Trump, never-Trump, self-described conservative outlet. Uh, They are always very eager to discredit the Trump administration in anything they do. Uh, Amanda Carpenter tweeted this, Mr. Vice President. Well, first, let me read Mike Pence's tweet. Uh, Mike Pence tweets, huge news. Thanks to the public-private partnership forged by President Donald Trump, Pfizer announced its coronavirus vaccine trial is effective, preventing infection in 90% of its volunteers. Amanda Carpenter, quote, tweets it and says this, Mr. Vice President, was Pfizer part of Operation Warp Speed? Yes or no will suffice to clear things up. So obviously a little uh, tongue in cheek there. I replied to her, first of all, saying that Mike Pence did not say that Pfizer was a part of Operation Warp Speed, that he said it was a public-private partnership, which it was, as even Chris Murphy, who is a Democratic senator, um, said that it was. He admitted that it was because they promised, the government promised $2 billion uh, for the development of this vaccine. That is a public-private partnership. But as it turns out, It actually was. Pfizer was a part of Operation Warp Speed, which is a product of the Trump administration. Daniel Dale of CNN says Pfizer's head of vaccine development had told New York Times it wasn't part of Warp Speed because it didn't take research money. But that's not the whole story. And then he includes uh, he includes a screenshot um, that actually that shows um, that the spokesperson for Pfizer admitted, yes, we were a part of Operation warp speed. We did develop this vaccine because of the partnership and the promises of the Trump administration. And yet we were hearing all day yesterday 
No, no, no. This had nothing to do with Trump's efforts. This had nothing to do with Trump whatsoever. If anything, this has to do uh, with Joe Biden becoming president, uh, which, again, is a lie. It is an attempt to make you think that just because Joe Biden become president, became president, that things are on the up and up and coronavirus is out the door, when in fact it was the Trump administration's efforts that made this possible. Now, Andrew Cuomo which is, I can't say that he's the world's worst governor because we have a lot of competitors in that realm, a lot of competitors in that realm. But he is one of the worst governors because despite the fact that they, that New York had, I think it was the second highest uh, death rate uh, in the United States from coronavirus, thanks to his efforts to put sick, COVID sick, elderly patients, back into nursing homes where thousands of thousands elderly people uh, of elderly people died because of that decision. Despite all of that, he passed himself on the back continually, wrote a freaking book about it, saying this is how New York got through it. When the guy didn't even make sure that the subways were sanitized first time in 100 years until April. I mean, he didn't even shut down mass transportation or slow down mass transportation in New York City until April. Like that was after it was booming in New York and people were getting sick and dying. And yet this guy continually has the audacity to pat himself on the back and his brother on CNN, Chris Cuomo, of course, aids and abets that kind of deceit. Again, he wants to propagandize you and manipulate you into thinking that New York did a good job, but they didn't. Yes, the death rate and the sick rate in New York is a lot lower now, but that's because so many people already died and got it. Everyone who could possibly get it in New York and died in New York already did. So he does not deserve any pats on the back. Andrew Cuomo had the audacity to say, uh, to say in an interview that he believes that we should uh, not distribute the vaccine until Trump is out of office. I'll play you that little clip. You have two months and we can't let this vaccination plan go forward the way the Trump administration is designing it because Biden can't undo it two months later. We'll be in the midst of it. Uh, and I'm going I've been talking to governors across the nation about that. Uh, how can we shape the Trump administration vaccine plan to fix it or stop it uh, before it does damage? So this is just another piece of evidence that Andrew Cuomo really does not care about the well-being of New Yorkers. He cares about the politics of it. He's a very calculating politician. And so he knows how to make you believe what he wants you to believe without actually having to care about New Yorkers. This is just another example of that. So apparently it's bad news that we now, according to Pfizer, have an effective vaccine. But we need to wait. I mean, Theoretically, this vaccine could save people's lives, but we need to wait to administer it so that what Joe Biden can take credit for it and Donald Trump can't. I mean, that's really what you call Trump derangement syndrome when the just existence of Trump has made your brain into oatmeal to where you cannot think critically or compassionately in a position of leadership. It's honestly insane. So here's the truth. Uh, From what we know, Pfizer was ahead of Operation Warp Speed. That was a product of the Trump administration. Um, It was a private public sector partnership. And uh, we can thank Donald Trump and his administration's efforts and Pfizer for getting this done. Um, This has nothing to do with Joe Biden at all. The market going up had nothing to do with Joe Biden at all. Do not believe those lies. Do not be psychologically manipulated. 
Okay, our next lie, our piece of psychological manipulation that we are seeing comes from Girl Scouts. So this has nothing to do with the election, but uh, James Lindsay, he is the author of the book Cynical Theories. He said, Girl Scouts is going full woke on Twitter. Troop leaders will have to affirm we live in a systemically racist society or risk being removed. Uh, Anyone who identifies as a girl identified person can participate. Pronouns are required. So this is absolute craziness. I just want to remind you that these ideas of intersex sectionality, critical race theory, having to affirm by force uh, that America is not just a country that experiences racism, as all societies do, but is a systemically racist society, that that is required for being accepted into an organization like Girl Scouts. That's a new phenomenon. That is not something that has always happened. This is new. This is uh, an empowered wokeness that feels like it can take away, uh, it can take away your association with organizations like Girl Scouts based on your political beliefs. The idea, as we've talked about so many times, that America is systemically racist in 2020 is at best debatable, if not an outright, complete, flat lie. I mean, please read "Discrimination and Disparities" by Thomas Sowell as we read in Women's Book Club with Ali Stuckey. I mean, it busts so many of the myths that we see from people like Ibram X. Kendi and Robin D'Angelo. Go follow Neil Shinvey, who talks about the critical race theory mentality that is bolstering this idea that America is systemically racist in 2020. It's not actually based on reality or data. It is based on uh, this kind of intangible idea that once you start po- poking holes in it with data and and with logic, you see is, is really just a sham. It's a way to shame people and guilt people as the Girl Scouts are doing. Anyone who identifies as a girl-identified person can participate. So that means boys can participate in Girl Scouts. And it's important that we are are watching this redefinition of what it means to be a girl, what it means to be any gender. Apparently now it's something that you identify as, which means that there is no significance in your anatomy. There is no significance whatsoever in being a, a biological girl. There's no significance in having a uterus. There's no significance in being able to bear children. There's no significance in those things. As long as you identify as a girl, Girl, you are just as much of a girl as anyone else. That's what the secular world is telling us. And I think it's important that we uncover what is actually behind that. So I know I keep mentioning Women's Book Club with Ali Stuckey. We've read a lot of awesome books this year. We're reading Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. She goes through the secular mentality on abortion, on transgenderism, on promiscuity, and uh, the different issues today that we are facing in relation to the body. And what she says is the secular worldview holds on to this philosophy of dualism. It breaks up the body and the soul, that the internal self um, is actually what determines what the body is or what the body can do. But we don't believe that as Christians. We believe that the body is not just determined by what we feel or what we identify as or what our brains tell us, but that our body in and of itself has a purpose. Um, And that purpose is determined not just by science, which it is, but by the God who created it. And so our biological reality is significant. It actually means something. Um, Being a girl is a biological reality, and that biological reality is good. It is significant. It separates you from people who have a different biological reality, aka boys. And so that is the biblical worldview, that the body was purposely and perfectly made by God, 
uh, that your biological reality actually means something. It is actually significant. It is actually good that God created it that way, that when he made the male and female in Genesis, he didn't just say this is good like he had about the rest of his creation, but he said this is very good. And that is a reality that's not just repeated throughout the biblical canon, but also by Jesus himself in Matthew 19. A lot of people on the left like to say Jesus never talked about gender. Jesus never talked about marriage. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. In Matthew 19, he talks about that God made the male and female for this reason. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Uh, To say that God doesn't care about marriage or doesn't care about gender is to totally misunderstand the character of God. God doesn't do things arbitrarily. He doesn't do things accidentally. He didn't just happen to make half of creation with this anatomy and half of creation with this anatomy for no reason at all. And for us to just identify as whatever we want, it's purposeful. And for us to worship God, for us to worship the creator, we must also revel in his creation, not worship his creation, but revel and honor his creation for the purpose that he gave it. And so for us to redefine what it means to be a girl or redefine what it means to be a boy based on this idea of dualism, that who we are internally gets to determine who we are on the outside rather than our internal and our external actually being meaningfully intertwined is to deny biblical reality. It's not just to deny scientific reality, which it absolutely does, but it's also to deny a biblical worldview, which means we are bound not just to the scientific reality of what it means to be male and female, but we are also bound to the biblical truth that God made the male and female, that anatomy does matter. We can't give in to this dualistic idea that says our body is subject to whatever we identify as and whatever we feel. We believe that God gave bodies a purpose and that our anatomy has a purpose and that it's good. And that is an actually, that's a much more positive view of the body than the secular worldview has. The secular worldview says your biology is totally arbitrary. It doesn't matter at all. All that matters is what you think on the inside, that it's not significant to have a uterus. It's not significant to have female anatomy. It's not significant to be a girl. That's not any, you're not any more beautiful as a girl than a man who identifies as a girl. What a degrading view of the body. Like what a small view of the body. God has an amazing view of the body because he created it perfectly. And so it is so much more healthy to teach that worldview and that perspective about the human body and about biology than it is the secular worldview, which is actually very self-loathing, which is actually very uh, body-loathing, ironically, uh, in the world of self-love and self-indulgence that the secular world teaches so much. And so we live not by the lie that our biology is arbitrary, that anyone who says that they are a girl is a girl, but we realize that God made girls and boys purposely and perfectly. And that positive view of the body is one that is very healthy mentally and healthy spiritually. God says that for the Christian, our bodies are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. We know about the resurrection of the bodies, that we're not just going to be forever these these bodiless uh, spiritual beings uh, or spirit beings that have no form or face. No, God says that we are going to have our bodies. They are going to be renewed bodies. They're going to be restored bodies. They're going to be spiritual bodies, but we will have human likeness. We will have our bodies. That's how much God cares about the body. 
And so for us to reject that, to say, well, God didn't have any purpose in creation and the creation of our bodies. God doesn't care about the physical. He just cares about the internal. And our bodies are totally arbitrary. We can define them as girl and boy as we see fit. We can do whatever we want with our bodies. God doesn't really care about that. You don't understand the creator, not just the creation. You don't understand the creator. And so that's why I always say, you know, when people have misunderstandings about these so-called social issues, they always go back to theological misunderstandings. It is not controversial, by the way, for you to hold to the definition of gender that human beings have held for all of human existence. These ideas are new. This idea that you are a girl just because you declare you're a girl or you feel that you are a girl or a boy. Either way, these are new ideas. This is like something that has developed over the past two to 10 years. And so you are not the radical one. You are not the crazy one. That's what I want to tell you, that you are not the crazy one for saying two and two makes four. You are not the crazy one for saying a girl is a girl and a boy is a boy. And it's important for girls and boys to have separate spaces. Like you're not the crazy ones. They are the radical ones. They are the people that are denying truth. They are the people that have waded into the waters of insanity, not you. And they will do everything that they can to make you feel like the crazy person, to make you feel like the bigot, to make you feel like you don't know what you're talking about and that you are anti-science, that you are anti-truth. You have to cling to the fact that they don't know what they're talking about, that they are the crazy ones, not you. And that's why it's so important. Again, guys, to be in the word of God and to go to the authority and the creator of heavens and the earth to define what is something as basic as male and female. You wouldn't think that you would need to read your Bible to be able to affirm that obvious reality, but we're in an age where we do. And that is why I say again, that the time is coming gone for the cultural Christian. The time is coming gone for us to just say, you know, it's popular, it's lucrative, it's safe to be a Christian. Having something as basic Uh, having a belief as basic as, hey, men are men and women are women and anatomy matters, a basic idea that people have believed whether they were Christians or not has now become a controversial, quote, archaic theological belief. And if you do not know why you believe that, then you will easily stumble and fall. And so it's so important for us to be in the word of God to know why we believe the basic things that we believe, even about the body. I highly recommend Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. It's an amazing, mind-blowing book that will give you so much equipment for arguments like this and have you realize that the biblical worldview, especially about the body, is the loving, holistic one, is the positive one, whereas the secular worldview isn't. It's actually the the very self-loathing, hateful, unhealthy one. Um, I highly recommend that book. I highly recommend being in the Word and surrounding yourself by people who can encourage you and hold you accountable and you can help each other realize that, okay, the world is going to get crazier and crazier. They're going to convince us, try to convince us to live by lies. We're going to refuse to do that. And we are going to make sure that we encourage one another uh, to live by the truth. Wokeness is post-truth. You need to deny it with everything that you have. Um, okay, before I get into before I get into the next lie, which is just which is just so rich, I can't wait to tell you about it. Let's take a quick ad break. 
Okay, Operation Christmas Child, I have told you about them for the past few episodes. A lot of you know what they are. They're a project of the Christian International Relief Organization, Samaritan's Purse. It is the world's largest Christmas project of its kind. I actually had someone comment on YouTube the other day and say that when they lived in the Ukraine, they, as a child, actually received one of these boxes, and it really shaped their uh, their view of what they thought, not just of Christians, but also America. And I just thought that that was a really cool and sweet story. So these are reaching real kids. A lot of these kids, their parents can't afford uh, any kind of Christmas present for them. They might not even know what Christmas is. They've probably never received a Christmas present before, and some of them are at orphanages. And so this is a way to show the generosity and and the love of Christ. We know that Jesus loved children. He said, let the little children come to me, even when his disciples were trying to shoo them away because they thought that they would be annoying to Jesus. Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me. God cares about these children, and we are showing them the love of Christ by sending them something like the gifts given to them in Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child sends these uh, little shoe boxes uh, filled with gifts. And if you go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC, you can, have, uh, you can have the instructions on how to do that and where to drop it off. You have to drop it off next week. But these shoe boxes are filled. Uh, you fill them with uh, little non-perishable gifts. And you can, you'll have a list on the website of what, uh, of what you can put in there. But we just uh, filled up two that we will bring to our church next week. And so we did one for a girl and one for a boy. We put a t-shirt in both of them. We put a little dog stuffed animal in both of them. We put toothbrushes. We'll put like a sticker book and maybe some crayons in them and some other little toys. I think Hot Wheels for the boy and like My Little Pony for the girl. And so it's just a really fun way to show generosity at Christmas time and show the love of Christ to kids who have maybe never seen it before. Also, if you have kids old enough, you can explain to them, you know, this is how we help other people. Christmas actually isn't about us and receiving gifts. It's about the gift that we received in Jesus and showing that generosity to other people. So I encourage you to take part in that this year. Uh, Go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC to learn how to pack a shoebox or to build one online. It'll also tell you where you can drop it off. Like I said, National Collection Week is uh, November 16th through 23rd next week. So make sure you get your shoebox this week, fill it up, drop it off next week. And um, yeah, experience and give the generosity of Christmas to other people. Okay, back to the show. All right, this set of lies comes to you from Saudi Arabia, China, Iran, Pakistan. Um, and uh, let's see, there are a few other countries, Cuba that's involved with this, North Korea. So all of the world's biggest human rights violators. Guess, guess what? They sit on the UN's Council for Human Rights. Yes, that is why the United Nations is an absolute joke, because on their Human Rights Council are the biggest perpetrators of arbitrary detention, genocide, infanticide, torture, terrorism. And they had a little meeting a couple days ago to talk about human rights violations 
in the United States. I mean, I have never seen so much propaganda in my life. But if you've read, again, oh my gosh, how many times am I going to plug Women's Book Club with Ali Stuckey? I don't mean to do this. But if you read uh, the book that we read about North Korea, Nothing to Envy, um, and we read some of the propaganda that people in North Korea received on a daily basis uh, about, uh, about the United States, the evil imperialist warmongers in the United States, the evil capitalists you will know that the kind of propaganda that was being uh, that was being propagated at this UN Human Rights Commission meeting with these uh, with these various terroristic nations, you will know that this propaganda has been around for a very long time. That it is completely baseless, and I think the scary part is is that it is being repeated by leftists and academics here. Like the Democratic Party says the same things that these terroristic regimes are saying, that we are systemically racist, that we're very bad, that we violate human rights. When I'm not saying that we are a perfect country, but hey, if places like China and Iran and Pakistan are repeating propaganda that has has been around in communist regimes about America for 100 years, and we are actually hearing that reiterated in the United States by academics, by left-wing activists, by the Democratic Party, by Black Lives Matter and Antifa, then maybe all of you guys are on the wrong side of things. Like maybe it's important for us to seek the truth about this stuff before we just repeat these systemic racism talking points. Like maybe we should actually dig into history and look at the data rather than repeating uh, the talking points of freaking China and Iran. Um, But apparently they needed to take the time to talk about how the freest and fairest country in the world is doing, and they ignore that they are, uh, like in Iran, for example, pushing homosexuals off of roofs. And in China, uh, they have concentration camps of Muslims where they are forcibly sterilizing women and aborting their babies as they did to their uh, own indigenous people for years and years. And probably you're still doing. They spy on their uh, citizens as well. Um, And we could get into Saudi Arabia where I I think that women aren't even allowed to really speak and Pakistan and Cuba. Cuba, the biggest human rights violators in the world are talking about human rights in America for the United Nations. That is why the United Nations, guys, is a joke. That is why the WHO, which is also um, which is also a part of the UN and is basically run by China, is a joke. And why it was so good for President Trump to say, we're not spending money at the WHO anymore. We're not going to be a part of the WHO anymore. And, of course, Joe Biden is saying that he is going to uh, make sure that we are back in with the WHO so our tax dollars can continue to fund that corruption. So that's great. Um, so that's the that's the set of lies that we are seeing from abroad. And unfortunately, they are finding um, a partner in the Democratic Party here. All that kind of anti-American hatred that we have seen for the past century from places like Soviet Russia and North Korea and in China. It's a jealousy fueled hatred saying how terrible and awful we are. I mean, these are all talking points that are now repeated by people in the Democratic Party. Leftist academics, left-wing activists. I mean, they have they have perpetuated that kind of propaganda for so long and have worked so hard, these terroristic regimes have, to infiltrate the United States with that kind of propaganda. And it's worked. And that's they they want to see America fall from within. And so they want to see the kind of fighting and the division that we're seeing now. They love seeing the riots and the arson and the looting that's happening in various cities. That's why China and Iran 
Iran both said, hey, we would really love for Joe Biden uh, to be uh, to be the president because they know that he is weak on foreign policy in the same way that Obama was, that he's going to capitulate to China, which is the biggest geopolitical threat to the entirety of the world. And they know that they're going to lift sanctions on Iran so they can get millions and millions of dollars in the same way that they did under Barack Obama. And so, of course, these countries are very excited about the victory of the Democratic, the possible victory of the Democratic Party under Joe Biden, because they have the same sentiments. They have the same talking points. Again, I just want to remind you that you are not crazy. You are not crazy for knowing and believing that America, with all of our faults, is a very good country, that we are the freest and fairest country that exists, that we have had a lot of dark parts in our history, but no country has made as much progress as quickly as we have. People will tell you that's white privilege. People will tell you that you're wrong. They're just repeating communistic talking points that have literally been around for 100 years, and they don't even realize it. They think they're intellectual and academic. All they're doing is imbibing deceit and manipulation that's just not true. You can criticize your country, and you can be honest about the parts of our country that right now are not good, that have not been good throughout history without imbibing communistic propaganda that is creating the very division that places like Iran and Saudi Arabia and Pakistan uh, want. So again, it is our obligation to pursue the truth. It is our obligation to pursue reality and to know what is true and to reject this kind of propaganda Um, Here is my next lie, and it's coming from Whoopi Goldberg of The View. So I'm going to play you this little clip where she is telling people who voted for Trump to suck it up. Hillary Clinton didn't say, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. Stop the count. She didn't say, this isn't right. I'm not going for it. She didn't say any of that. So all of you, suck it up. Suck it up like we sucked it up. So here is why... Here is why this is so crazy. And this is what we're hearing from a lot of people in the media, that Trump supporters are sore losers. That's the only reason we're talking about fraud, that we're triggered, that we're just breaking down because we just can't take the reality of the election. This is coming from people, Whoopi Goldberg included, by the way, who still have not accepted the results of the 2016 election, who have literally been melting down for the past four years, who all claim that the 2016 election was illegitimate because of Russian collusion which even though there is intervention apparently in the 2016 election, again, there is no evidence whatsoever that it was decisive in any way or that there was any collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia to win. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. And we spent millions in tax dollars trying to prove that through Robert Mueller and he wasn't able to. And yet Democrats, the Democratic media, we're not able to accept the results of the election. I mean, the past four years have been spent trying to discredit Donald Trump. Now, I'm not trying to say that Donald Trump was the perfect president, but they have been so fixated on melting down over the reality of his presidency. They refused, some of them, to even call him the president. They said, not my president. Now they are telling us to suck it up because why? Because we're saying, OK, we want to go through a legal process to make sure the election was fair. If it is fair, then OK then we accept the results of the election and and Joe Biden will be president and we'll call him President Biden. We're not going to melt down. As you can see, like after after the media announced President or uh, Joe Biden being the president elect, whether he officially will be or not, there were no riots 
Like there was no looting and arson. Businesses didn't have to worry about Trump supporters going out and burning down businesses the way that businesses were scared of Biden supporters uh, doing so if Trump won. Like you you understand that it's not Trump supporters that are freaking out right now. It's not Trump supporters that are burning down cities. It's not Trump supporters that you have to worry about. Just because Trump supporters want to go through the legal process of making sure all legal votes are counted and illegal votes are not counted doesn't mean that we are not sucking it up when sucking it up is the opposite of what Democrats have done for the past four years. I mean, Trump derangement syndrome has infected so many people's minds on the other side that I can't even I I can't even I can't even believe that they are telling Trump supporters that we are being sore losers. It's really amazing. Again, do not buy into the manipulation. Do not buy into the craziness. Do not buy into the redefinition of reality. We know what is true. We know what is true. And yes, we should suck it up, by the way, if there are any people melting down. We should, because it's reality. And if Biden becomes president, he becomes president. And that's just, uh, that's unfortunate. We don't like that reality. But we're going to continue to try to uphold the Constitution, protect the Constitution. We are going to continue to try to protect our uh, the, the, the institutions of this republic that have made it good and great. We are going to continue to resist any kind of tyranny. But we accept the results of the election and we don't try to live in some fantasy where we believe Biden is going to get impeached every month the way the Democrats did for the last four years. And so they can gaslight us all they want to. They can castigate us all they want to. They can reprimand us and wag their fingers and rewrite history all they want to. We've got the receipts. We know you guys literally melted down for the past four years. You don't have any moral authority whatsoever to tell people to suck it up. You don't. You don't. Um, I have a lot more to go through. There's a lot of gaslighting going on right now. Uh, in the media and on social media. And I just want to remind you, I just want to come alongside you. If you're feeling crazy, if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm losing, I'm losing my mind because these people are trying to memory hole things that have happened. These people are trying to redefine reality. You're not, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. Two and two make four. I can promise you that. Okay. That's all I've got for today. We'll be back here on Friday. 